0: Chapter 6 of The Story of the World A Simple History for Boys and Girls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Story of the World A Simple History for Boys and Girls by Elizabeth O'Neill. Chapter 6 The Peloponnesian War. The history of this war, which lasted with periods of peace nearly thirty years, is perhaps of more importance in the history of Greece than in the history of the world. In it the power and greatness of Athens were brought to an end. It is just possible, but not probable, that if Athens had won she would have conquered the rest of Greece, and a great Athenian empire might have been formed. If this had been so, Athens would have had an even greater influence on later history than she has had. But it was not to be, and there is no real reason to believe that Athens, even if she had been victorious, would have set up such an empire. Still, the story of the war is interesting and important. Ever since the Persian War, and especially under the rule of Pericles, Athens had irritated the other Greek states. She had made conquests on land, but these had been soon taken from her. But she clung to her empire, for such the confederacy of Delos had become. The Persian power no longer threatened Greece, and had definitely set free even the Greek colonies in Asia Minor. But still— Athens collected contributions from all the islands in the Aegean. The money was no longer kept at Delos, but was sent to Athens, and much of it was spent on the buildings there, and on the amusement of the people. Athens interfered also in the government of the other states of the Confederacy whenever trouble arose and set up democratic governments like their own all important law cases had to be heard in Athens. When Samos, a large island which clung to its independence, refused to allow its quarrel with Miletus to be settled by Athens, the Athenians attacked her, destroyed all her walls of defense, took away her fleet, and made her pay the costs of the war. The Athenians kept sixty boats always in the Aegean Sea, as though she was afraid of a rebellion. For years a great struggle between Sparta and Athens had been expected. With Sparta necessarily went the whole of the Peloponnesian League, of which she was the chief member. The third greatest state in Greece was Corinth, which was a sea-power nearly as strong as Athens. It was with Corinth that Athens first quarrelled, but Sparta took the opportunity of calling a meeting to discuss a war with Athens. Messages were sent threatening war if the Athenians would not send Pericles away. This, of course, they would not do, but they might have sent peaceful messages back, but for a speech which Pericles himself made to the people. He was a great speaker, and when he pointed out that the war was sure to come some day, and that the Athenians were quite strong enough to face their enemies, they made up their minds to fight, and to fight as Pericles should tell them. So in the year 431 B.C. the great struggle between the two greatest states in Greece began. On the side of the Spartans were nearly all the Greeks of the peninsula, though Sparta's old enemy, Argos in the Peloponnesus, refused to join, and Plataea, the faithful little ally of Athens, fought once more on her side. The war began with an attack on Plataea by the people of Thebes. Three hundred Thebans got into Plataea and kept the people shut up in their houses, but the plataeans broke down the inside walls of their houses and so were able to talk to each other they arranged an attack on the thebans and a terrible fight took place the plataeans killed many thebans and many others were driven into a large building where grain was kept other thebans came up to the walls to help them but the plataeans got them to go away and then in spite of their promises killed every theban left in the town so angry were the people of thebes that they sent another great army to attack plataea and the athenians although they were vexed that the plataeans had broken their word had to send an army to protect them from the thebans then the spartans marched into attica itself pericles thought that the athenians would have little chance on land against the great army of sparta so he collected all the people of attica within the long walls for he knew that they could get plenty of food by sea the people of attica hated to leave their farms and vineyards to be destroyed by the enemy but there was nothing else to do the cattle were sent to the island of euboea and the people lived in huts and tents put up in haste in the empty space between the long walls. Then Pericles sent ships round to harass the people on the coasts of the Peloponnesus. The great Spartan army, once it had lain waste all the country round Athens, could do nothing more to harm the Athenians. Only a few bands of horsemen went out to hamper them so the first year of the war ended there was a great funeral service in memory of those who had been killed and pericles made a noble speech assuring the athenians that the severity of sparta could never make men so noble as the freedom of athens and begging them not to grieve too much over the dead but to be ready to die in their turn if need were the next year things happened in much the same way. In the spring, for ancient peoples never fought in the winter, a great Spartan army ravaged Attica again. The people of the countryside again took refuge between the long walls, but a terrible misfortune fell upon the Athenians. A dreadful sickness called the plague broke out in the Piraeus, it came to europe from the east and had broken out in egypt and also in italy it must have been brought by some ship to the piraeus and it spread quickly among the people crowded unhealthily together between the long walls the people suffered terribly and hundreds died without any one to bury them pericles himself fell ill but got better On all sides people began to grumble against him, as though their misfortunes were through his fault. A leather-seller called Cleon, a vulgar and ignorant man, tried to have the rule of Athens taken from him, but Pericles kept it till his death, which came shortly afterwards. In the next year the Spartans took revenge on the little city of Plataea. All its men were killed its women and children sold as slaves and the city itself destroyed after the death of pericles power in athens fell to cleon the leather seller he was very violent and determined to remain at war although many in athens would have wished for peace just after his death and after ten years of cruel and foolish warfare a peace was at last made between sparta and athens it lasted seven years though it was made for fifty life in athens had quite changed and so had the spirit of the people socrates was still there a relic of the great age of pericles but the new generation was changeable and fickle alcibiades Even when the Fifty Years' Peace was signed, the best-known man in Athens was Alcibiades, a man thirty years old. His wayward character, his cleverness and courage, and his faults seemed to be signs of the change which had come upon the Athenians. Alcibiades was a young relation of Pericles, and he was a pupil of Socrates. But he was not wise and serious like them knowing as did socrates that the belief in the gods was not true he merely laughed at them whereas socrates had taught men to look to higher things than these and to do good even if they no longer honoured the gods alcibiades was what is called irresponsible he would do anything which came into his head at any moment he often drank too much wine and went noisily about the town with his companions yet it was to such a man as this that the athenians now gave their trust they mistook cleverness for wisdom at the first olympic games after the fifty years peace was signed it was thought that athens would not be able to send any people to take part but alcibiades was there offering sacrifices in beautiful golden bowls and with seven four-horse chariots to run in the races twice he was crowned as victor with the crown of wild olive all the time alcibiades was anxious that athens should fight again with sparta and war did in fact soon break out again The Athenians at this time showed the greatest cruelty towards any member of the confederacy of Delos, which dared to rebel against her unjust empire. The island of Melos, which rebelled, was conquered, and every man there was put to death, the women and children being sold into slavery. Shortly after this, the Athenians were induced by Alcibiades to send a great fleet and army to Sicily, where the colonies of Sparta were at war with other states. The Athenian expedition went to help a city called Aegesta against another called Selenus. The people of Aegesta had promised to pay the expenses of the expedition and alcibiades had persuaded the athenians to agree nicias another statesman in athens persuaded the people to send messengers to see if the people of aegesta were really as rich as they said it was said afterwards that they showed the athenian messengers plates and cups which were only gilded over and pretended they were made of gold the athenians were deceived and the expedition went off under Nicias and Alcibiades. But the morning it sailed, the Athenians were shocked to find that all the busts of their god Hermes, which stood on little square pedestals at the street corners, had been thrown over and broken during the night. They came to the conclusion that this had been done by Alcibiades as a joke. It was nothing to him, because he did not believe in the gods but to those who did it seemed a terrible sacrilege afterwards it was thought that perhaps alcibiades had not done this thing after all but he had done worse things against the gods so messengers were sent after him to bring him back a prisoner in his own ship but instead he sailed away to sparta and offered his services to the bitter enemy of his country the Sicilian expedition was a complete failure, for Alcibiades told to the Spartans all the plans of the Athenians, and persuaded them to send an army to fight against the Athenians in Sicily. He was full of anger against the men of his own state, and when he heard that sentence of death had been passed upon him, he declared, I will show them one day that I am still alive. The leadership of the Athenians in Sicily was left to Nicias, who had very little heart for it. Alcibiades had wished all the other Greek colonies in Sicily to join with the Athenians, in an attack on the Spartan colonies, especially Syracuse, but most of them refused, and the Athenians were left practically alone. A great battle was fought in the immense harbor at Syracuse. The Athenians had many more ships than the Syracusans, but the Syracusans had placed theirs right across the mouth of the harbor, and the two hundred Athenian ships were hemmed in. All but sixty were destroyed, and the men who could escape joined the Athenian army on the shore. Nicias saw that they must give up the ships and try to escape by land to a part of the island where the people were friendly. It was a terrible march, and the sick and wounded had to be left to die. Nicias, who had hated the whole thing, now showed how brave he was. Although he was very ill and tired, he went about among the men trying to cheer them. At one place the army had to march through a narrow pass, between high rocks which the Syracusans fortified. For two days the Athenians fought, then had to give up, and choose another direction. They were short of food and water. At another place they caught sight of a river flowing in a deep hollow, and they were so thirsty that the whole army rushed forward to drink. Those in front were pushed down into the water, while those behind fell upon them, and were either crushed or pierced by the spears of the fallen. A Spartan army fell upon them while they were in this miserable state at last nicias gave himself up with his army begging that mercy should be shown to the ten thousand men who remained out of the forty thousand who had begun this terrible march he promised that the athenians would pay the syracusans all that they had spent on the war but the same cruelty was now shown as has been noticed in the later wars in greece proper the athenians who thus gave themselves up were put in stone quarries and left in hunger and cold nicias and the other athenian leader demosthenes were to be put to death but preferred to kill themselves so ended in miserable defeat this expedition planned in all light-heartedness by alcibiades and it was largely he who by helping the spartans had ruined it Meanwhile at home, Sparta was still destroying and burning in the plain of Attica. The Athenians were terribly distressed when they heard the sad fate of the Sicilian expedition. The loss of the ships was very bad for their navy, but they bravely set to work to build more. But the struggle was too severe. Nearly all the members of the Confederacy of Delos rebelled and all the money of the League, so long stored up in Athens, was spent in fighting them. In Athens itself the people had not even enough food. The Persians once more began to fight against their old enemy Athens, and joined with Sparta in helping the revolt of the Athenian colonies in Asia Minor. Alcibiades had helped too in this rebellion, but the Spartans were beginning to grow tired of him. He had deceived one of their kings, and his liveliness of character prevented them from really liking him. At last they decided that he should die, but Alcibiades then joined the friends of Athens, and fought against the colonies whom he had encouraged to rebel. In the end he won several battles, and then went back to Athens, was forgiven, and even welcomed. His manner was as attractive to the Athenians as it was unpleasant to the Spartans, and all his terrible treachery was forgotten. THE RUIN OF ATHENS Alcibiades was a fine leader, but it was impossible to save Athens. She was ruined on sea and on land. Alcibiades was made head of the fleet, but he left it for a time under another leader. During this time it was attacked and defeated by the Spartan fleet, which was now bigger than that of Athens. Alcibiades was ordered back to Athens to give an account of his conduct, but he was afraid to go and fled into Thrace. The Spartans soon afterwards won another great victory at sea, and took nearly the whole of the Athenian fleet prisoner. Athens now gave up all hope, and after a terrible siege of four months she was forced to give in to Sparta, who made terribly hard conditions for peace. The Athenians had to destroy the long walls and all their docks and their port at the Piraeus. They were to keep only twelve ships out of their once mighty fleet. They were not to attempt to gain power again over the members of the Confederacy of Delos, and, indeed, were not to have any possessions outside Attica. They must help Sparta for the future against all her enemies. The work of destruction of the long walls and the Piraeus was done by Spartan workmen, to the sound of music and rejoicing, and with every mark of insult to the Athenians. So ended the Peloponnesian War, which had made Greece miserable for nearly thirty years. It was one of the most foolish and most useless wars in history. The Athens of Pericles was gone forever, and though the Athenians were still remarkable for their artists and scholars, there was never another chance of their taking the lead among the Greeks. Alcibiades fled once more after the fall of Athens to the Persians, but the Spartans persuaded them to kill him. They set fire to his house, and when he ran out his enemies let fly a shower of arrows at him, and so killed him. His story is one of the strangest told of the great men of Greece. His cleverness and beauty do not make up for his selfishness and deceit. He was one of the chief causes of his city's downfall, though probably, if he had been allowed to lead the army in Sicily, instead of being called back for punishment, he would have led it to victory. But he was hardly great enough to have conquered the Spartans, and even if he had done so, he could never have made a great Greek empire with Athens at its head. Probably no one could have done this, though we cannot help wishing that it had been done— so that the learning and cleverness of the Athenians might have had an even greater influence on the world than they have had. As it was, Alcibiades, whom many of the Athenians had petted and admired, helped more than any other man to ruin the greatness of Athens. End of chapter 6